Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. We're going to be continuing in on 1 Timothy chapter 5 this morning and continuing right in on where we've been in going through uh, verse by verse through the book of Timothy. And uh, we'll start in verse number 3. Last week we started chapter 5 and we really hit last week on the, the family of God. If you were here with us, we, we spoke a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say we lot of, a lot of, we spoke in the, the context there in the ver- very first word it says rebuke. And we spoke on confrontation and in the midst of that confrontation really the heart behind that confrontation and how we must address or look at one another in that confrontation is in the midst or in the the reality of that we as a body are a family and that we should look at one another in such a manner. And so this morning we really in some regards continue that, that same thought within the family as we come to these next few verses, the next uh, 13 or so verses that deal with how that we are to treat a widow. And so this morning is, I've kind of entitled it, Care of a Widow, and I know that it's not a July 4th Independence Day sermon, and probably I should do something on politics or something on the nation and where we are today, Um, but uh, you're laughing at me. Um, We're going to continue in on this passage uh, instead of doing that. Here will be my political uh, speech for today. Get involved. And vote. There you go. And we'll deal with that for another time. But uh, in all reality, though, I, I do pray that that you are involved politically, um, both locally and 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 nation in our nation. But uh, we are looking at this morning the care of a widow. We're looking at what God's word tells and speaks of, and how we should honor our widows, how we should care for them, what we should be doing with them. And, and not only just that, but on, the, on the, the side of it as a church and as a body, what we are to be doing. But the reality is, and we'll see this today, is that there is a duty of a widow just as much as there is the duty of a church and a family to support and to sponsor and to care for that widow. God's word speaks often and a lot about the widows. Let me say this in regards to, uh, as we get into the sermon this morning, I've spoken in the passage of, in the book of Timothy, I've spoken on the roles of a man and of a woman. We have hit different things throughout this passage of scripture, this book in, in, in Timothy, and we've given, we've laid out what those roles are. And men, a part of our role and a part of our duty is that we would pro- provide and protect and to care for our, our families in that regards. And ladies, you are the opposite, not the opposite, but you, you love and you nurture and you care and you do those things for the home and you do all that. But here's kind of what we're looking at today. What does it look like, according to Scripture, when the support of the, the husband is no longer there? When that support is gone, and some of you that sit here today, you sit here as widows. Whether you be younger or you be older, you sit here having lost your husband at some point. And God's word speaks specifically to how you are to be treated. And as a body, as a church, we are to continue to the best of our ability to support and to care and to nurture that woman. 
God's word in Deuteronomy 27, it says, Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. In Isaiah 1 and 17, it says, Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless. And it says, Plead for the widow. Psalm 114, or 146, sorry, in verse number 9, The Lord preserveth the strangers, he relieveth the fatherless and the widow. Something that I don't believe is, I'd, I've never really considered some of these things, but I, we know and we recognize that Paul is the author of Timothy and Paul is writing this. And I often wonder, I, I wondered this week in my study, I wonder if Paul, while writing how to care for a widow, ever went back in his mind and thought of who he was prior to becoming who Paul was. As Saul, we recognize that that Saul, one of his duties or one of the things that he did was kill. And I wonder if Saul, while he penned these things down, if he wept just a little bit to think how many women that he made a widow. And I don't know that that really has anything to do with the, the, the undertone of the, the sermon this morning. But I just, as I was writing and as I was going through this, I thought that, man, I wonder if Paul ever went back. And I imagine that he did. I'm sure there's days that, that are not written in Scripture where, where Paul just went back in his own life and thought, man, this is who I was. Thank God that I'm not that anymore. But, man, the pain that he must have carried for those widows. In the Old Testament, the Bible would have said, and it, and it speaks of, we'll speak of this here in just a moment, that the widow should remarry. But it says if they were to be delayed, if that wasn't something that took place in a short period of time, then they would remain with their fathers. As far as the younger women, or if they're able, they would go to their mother-in-law's home. In the New Testament, Jesus speaks of widows. He, he shows compassion on the widows. He, at one point, he goes and, and he sees a widow with the last might and he praises her. And he, he, he really makes an example out of her and how great that it was that this, this young this lady gave everything that she had. And he praised her and he, he lifted her up in that regard. The widows in the synagogues were taken care of. The widows were, it spoke of in the New Testament often of how often they were poor, they were destitute. They were without a means of earning a living. And the care fell upon the local synagogue. This was something that I found incredibly interesting throughout my study this week was that typically at the synagogues there would be a group of, of people on Friday mornings that they would go around and they would collect goods and they would collect money and then they would go and they would distribute that to the widows later on in the afternoon. They cared for them. They, they loved on them. And it is no, it is no, it shouldn't be a doubt or it shouldn't be a, a thought of ours, but it, it, they, they recognize the need. They recognize the obligation to care for these folks. Even at that time, one of the very first ministries that was out of the church was to care for the widows. And so I, I, I go through all of those things and I say this in our sermon this morning in regards to that, not that we as a church are doing a bad job. I don't 
I don't believe that we're not caring for our widows. I don't believe that we're not loving on those. I, I think that we do a pretty decent job of, of doing all that we can to care and provide. And we've helped people financially. And we've done a number of different things. We've, we have a ministry. And I don't know that everybody in here knows this. But on Saturdays, we have a group of people that go to different nursing homes. And, and though we're not physically providing the needs of those widows in those nursing homes, we are loving on them on a regular basis. And we do a lot to care for those folks from within our church. But what I am saying is it's something that we can't forget. And it's also something that's in God's word that we need to address. And as I get into the points this morning, and as we get into the passage this morning in chapter five, I can't help but go to James chapter one in verse number 27, where, he, where, where it says this, pure religion And undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Listen, church, again, I think that we we can always do better in all areas of ministry, but I think that we do a a pretty good job of loving on our widows. This isn't a sermon of, of getting on anybody. This is just strictly we're going verse by verse and we're teaching the counsel of God and And this is where we are. And so I pray that this morning as we get through this, maybe you sit here and you are a widow. I pray that this would encourage you. Maybe you sit here this morning and you're a family member of maybe your mother who is now a widow or that's within your home and that's hit you uh, right kind of where we are. I pray that it would be one that would encourage you. Maybe you sit here and you're like myself and you look at it and you think, well, I just praise God for my parents. I praise God that I have my mother. And uh, the fight that you will have at one day, who gets to care for your mom or dad or whatever that is. And then we'll be there. We'll be sitting there going, why did I do that? No, I'm just kidding. We need to liven up. I guess this is the wrong topic on a Sunday morning. I don't know. But I pray that this morning that, that we will take this and we will... We will be encouraged again in God's word, um, and we'll be looking at and, and answering kind of that question, if, if God's word says for us as men and for us to, we are to provide, we are to protect, and when that is gone, what does that look like? What does that mean for the rest of us here this morning? And I believe that it speaks that there is an obligation to our churches and to our families to do something, and we'll hit on that this morning. And so if you have your word or your uh, copy of God's word this morning, if you turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 5, we'll start in verse number 3 and we will read through verse number 16 and then we will get into the sermon and the points this morning. It says this in verse 3, Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents. For that that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own and specially for those of his own house, he that hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she hath lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, 
if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all they learn to be, to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers, also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger woman, Mary, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Father God, I thank you for the day, and I thank you for this passage of Scripture. I know it's... um, it's something that will eventually hit every home, uh, most likely. And God, I just pray that as a, as a church body that we would uh, take serious the responsibility that we have. And I pray as families that sit here this morning that we would take uh, serious the responsibility that it is to care for our, our parents. God, I ask that you be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if we're looking at this and the obligation, what is that obligation? The first thing is this. It is our obligation to, point one, support her. If the question is, again, what do we want, what do we do when that support or that husband isn't there, then the initial answer ought to be or has to be really support them. Under the law, if we were to go to the Old Testament, and I'm not going to get into a lot of the historical side of that, but under the law, the, the, the widow would go to the first, um, to the, to the brother, to an unmarried brother. And then the firstborn would take upon the name of that brother, therefore to continue the legacy, to continue that name throughout. And so I, I'm not going to get into all of those things, but there was always a, there was always been a plan throughout the culture, with the Jewish culture, uh, as to what that would be with the widow. But, It says here something that to me is is rather interesting. And it says, honor widows that are widows indeed. You might say, well, what is it that a woman, a widow indeed? You're either a widow or you're not. That's pretty common sense. It's kind of black and white. There is no, uh, well, I'm kind of. But God's word kind of gives us a little bit of, and I don't want to call it a qualification, but kind of a qualification of what that is. And as we look here, in this passage of scripture, it speaks to what that is. If any widow have children or nephews, we are to support them. The treatment of widows tests the spiritual character of the Christian community. If we are to go back to what we talked about last week, and we look at the family, and we look at our earth or our earthly families, but we look at our church family, we are to look at one another, brothers and sisters, mother, fathers, we talked of last week. That is our family. But there's also an avenue here that this speaks specifically to our blood family. That we are as a family to support a widow. It says to honor them, to show respect or care, to support or, or to treat graciously. In this instance, the, the, the family would step in. The family would be that support for them. And it says here, children or nephews, if your verse, your your version or your past description may say something about grandchildren. That word nephews, if you were to study it, it would speak of the grandchildren. But it goes to the family. The first priority of support is that the family is the support. The family is there. And then beyond that, it goes outside of that and it would fall under the realm of the family of God, the church family. 
this is a family that is honoring God in their home and their life is really what we're looking at, a believing family. So we have family support. We have the the desolate, needy widow, a lady that is just alone. She is, uh, then we see that she is trusting in God. She is faithful. She is in prayer. She is in supplication for the hand of God. If we look at this passage, it says in 12, or I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. In verse number four, if any widow have children, nephews, let them learn to show piety at home and to requit their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. It is good. I look out here and I know there's families that have brought their in-laws or their uh, a widowed mother into their home. God's word says that is acceptable and that is a good thing. I also know of families that sit out here, widows that sit out here, that this is your family. The people in this room right here is your family. It is a good thing to care for them. It is a good thing to love on them. It is a good thing to do all of these things. And it goes on and it says in verse number five, now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, that, that word desolate is lonely and left alone, trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. We're looking at, we see the first part that has a family Then we see this, that she is alone. She is left to herself. She doesn't really have anything, but it says that that she's trusting in God. She continues in supplication. She continues in prayer day and night. This is a widow that is, again, if we go to verse number three, that is a widow indeed. She is qualified that the church would care for her. She is qualified that the church would love on her. She is one that is in the midst of a very, very tough situation. What has she done? She continued to press on. She continued in the hope that she had. She continued to to seek God's face. She continued to, to worship God. She continued in prayer and supplication. She continued in all of those things. Though she was unsure of what was going to take place next, she said, God I don't understand. God, I don't get it. God, whatever it was that she prayed, but she faithfully trusted God. You will provide because you always have. God's word says she is a widow indeed. So the, there's, there must be support from her family. There's support within the church family. This next point or within this point, I put that there would be support in wisdom, because in verse number six it says, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. You say, Well, how, how can anybody look at a widow that's recently lost a spouse and that we wouldn't care for them? God's word says a widow indeed is one that trusts in God. There's one that gives and is one that does this. And it says here in verse number uh, five, it says, or verse number six, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Well, that's kind of harsh. This might be a woman that in the midst of her hardship, in the midst of her hurt, in the midst of her pain, fell back into a lifestyle or went away from God and said, you know what, I'm going to indulge myself in the things that make me happy because those are the things that are going to put a smile on my face today. And God's word says specifically, pretty plainly, that yes, she is a widow, but she is dead in her pleasure. 
She is dead while she liveth. I kind of took that and I, I thought of this passage of scripture in Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. And most of you know it, but whosoever will save his own life will lose it. Listen, we're in a day and age. It's not just today, but all of all time is really we have one desire and one goal and one pleasure. And that is us. That's in our sin nature. We live for us. I live for me. And what this is saying and what this is, this passage speaks of that she would be dead while she liveth is, is just the same as, as what this whosoever will save his own life will lose it. Listen, so many people all across our country, all across the world live to make themselves happy for today and they they give themselves the finances and they give themselves the stuff and they they do all of these things and family is good and job is good and health is good and everything is good and they live a great life but they're in their living they've died because there's one thing that ultimately matters and that is that you would come to take Jesus Christ, that you would say, God, I need a savior. It started from the beginning, all the way back in the day of Adam and Eve, God gave them a way out. After they fell, after they ate of the fruit, the first thing, not the first thing, but very shortly after, what did they do? They sacrificed. There's always a sacrifice for us. The sacrifice has been paid. I no longer have to take an animal. I no longer have to take the blood and drip it around my doorpost. I don't have to do any of those things. Jesus Christ paid that. He, he took and he accepted that sacrifice on his own shoulders. See, so many times we live, but ultimately we lose it. God's word says here, according to these widows and looking at this, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge, verse number seven, that they may be blameless. And so as we look at this, when it comes to supporting the widows, we as a church are to be wise in how we do that. It's no different than with how we handle different people or different things that come in off the street that need things. And they're all, there's a lot of people in need, but we do so with wisdom. Because otherwise, if we helped every person financially, we would not be here. We have to have wisdom in that, um, in what we're doing and in those things. Taking full circle made it very clear that if, if we do nothing for a believer... It says that we are worse than an infidel. And so we must, as a body, we must give of ourselves. We must serve, but we must, and we must support, and the families must support, and we must do those things, but we must do so according to God's word with the wisdom of what that is. And the second thing that we must do, it is our obligation to honor her. This is something that we, okay, we have to support them. We have to do those things with wisdom, but we are to honor Verse number nine, it says, let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old, having been the wife of one man. So we have a little bit of a structure here. We've got um, verse number six, it, there, there gives us the structure that, that one can't just give and divulge into pleasure and into all of those things. And then we come to verse number nine, it gives us some more structure that there must be, there's an age limit. Now, again, we're looking at at a lot, a little bit of a different day and age and what we're looking at here. But this says basically 60 years, we do not, 
we wouldn't, they wouldn't take a man at 60 years or younger. And then it says they must be a woman that is a one-woman man. That is that she was devoted to her husband. She was devoted to one man in purity and action and attitude. So as we go through this, we get into these next, this next verse number 10, and it really begins to show the honor of a widow. This is a passage that different studies show different things. In verse number 10, some people would say this is specifically for a widow who wanted to work or serve in the church that would take money. Again, in these days, they would literally, they would pay you money to support you but then you had a job to do in the service of the church. And so some people would say that that's what this is. There's other camps that would say things a little bit different. But here's, here's what it speaks of. It says that we would honor them. It says that they would be well reported of for good works. These widows that are, that are widows indeed, according to verse number 3, these are, are ladies that are, they have provided, they have shown forth the character, the quality of service. They have shown forth their good works. And I, I don't know that I need to say this, but I'll say this. That is not the works of salvation. This is not speaking that you get saved through their good works. This is nothing of that nature. This is that after salvation, we naturally show forth the work of God. And so as we look at this, that their good works showed forth. And then he, if she have brought up children, she has... Uh, brought up her children well. She has nourished them. She has uh, taught them to follow the Lord. And, and she has done all that she could as a mother to raise up her children to go out and serve God in whatever capacity that they would serve the Lord in. This does not speak of a, a lady who did not have children. This doesn't speak ill of that. This would speak of a woman, a, a widow, who raised her children. It's not saying that if you, if you don't have children, you don't qualify. And that's not what this is saying at all. But it looks back, if we were to go back that last thing, it says good rapport. In that goodness of heart, you would show forth those things within the children, be it at church or wherever, that would be as well. It goes from there and it says that you would have lodged strangers. They would be hospitable. Does she open her home to those outside of her home, having a sacrificial devotion or a sacrificial devotion to those in need? In those days, you got to remember, it wasn't like we are today. They didn't jump on a plane and go to wherever California land and go to the next hotel because they've paid their $75 for the night or $100 for the night or whatever it is, and they had a place to stay. In those days, they would travel and they would, as they would make their way, they would get to their city or they would get to their point of, of, of staying or maybe they're on their journey and they would stop. They would trust in other believers to have opened their homes because oftentimes where the hotels or the, the motels were in those days were the most unsafe areas. And so on their journey, they would was this widow, was she hospitable? Did she open her doors to those that were coming, that were believers in Christ? Was she a servant? It says that, that she would wash the saints' feet. 
we can go throughout the scriptures in the New Testament and show where the disciples and where different different ones washed the feet. We can think of the lady that washed the feet of Jesus with her hair. We can think of Jesus as he came to the house at the Last Supper and, and he got on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. And we can go through those. But is this widow, is this lady a servant? Was her heart that of kneeling at the door to wash the feet of those who enter her home? I understand that today we don't wash feet when you come into each other's homes. But we do by how we serve one another on a daily basis. Is this widow a servant? Is this a widow that is, it says here, is she relieved? If she relieved the afflicted. And does she have an open heart to those in distress? Is her desire to love people? Be it with physical issues, be it to, to be an ear to listen, to, to help in whatever areas that that is. But is her heart open to those that may be afflicted? If she have diligently followed every good work. She was just faithful to do every good work. Qualified widows, according to hear or hear to the word of God, devote themselves to the service of the Lord. So as we look at this passage in this day the qualifications were some of those things that I just mentioned. But then the widow would then give themselves to the service of God. That was part of the duty as the, the church provided and the church cared. They didn't become employees of the church, but they gave themselves back to the service of God. And I look around and I, I'll be real honest. I see so many of our ladies that are widows that have given of themselves to serve. I think of a few of you right here that are widows that give of your time, be it in the nursery. Some of you serve and teach our children through Sunday school, through Awanas. You guys greet people at the door. You've opened your home to others. You're a part of Bibles. There's so many different things, but I want to read a, a very small story before we go to the next point this morning. And I want to read this for this reason. I believe sometimes maybe it's it's widows, maybe it's it's mothers in general, but sometimes we get to a place and we think what really have I done? What, what really am I doing? Mothers that sit here today, some of you that are stay-at-home moms, others of you that don't have the opportunity to stay at home, or you've chosen to go and work, either, which, either way, that is a fine thing if you're able to do that and you're able to serve the Lord in that. But sometimes, as mothers especially, you get to a place and you think, what am I doing? What really have I done? And I'm going to read you a, a quick story this is a Scottish preacher. His name is Ian McLaren. And this is a woman in the discussion that they had. As they were talking, she began to wipe her eyes with the corner of her apron. So Dr. McLaren said, what's disturbing you? Oh, she said, sometimes I feel I have done so little. And when I think about it, it makes my heart heavy. Because really, I've done so little for Jesus. When I was a wee girl, the Lord spoke to my heart and I surrendered to him. I wanted to live for him, oh, so much, but I feel I haven't done anything. 
What have you done with your life? He asked. Oh, nothing, she said. Just nothing. I've washed dishes, cooked three meals a day, taken care of my children, mopped the floor, mended the clothes. You know everything a mother does. That's all I've done. McLaren sat back in his chair and asked, Where are your boys? Oh, she spoke, you know. I named them all for the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know them all, and you know where Mark is. You ordained him. He went to China. He's learned the language, and now he is an able minister to the people in the name of the Lord. Well, where is Luke, McLaren said. You know well enough where he is because you sent him out. And I had a letter from him the other day. He's in Africa and says a revival has broken out in his, minis- in his mission station. And Matthew, he queried, he's with his brother in China and they are working together. And John, who's 19, came to me last night to say God has laid Africa on his heart. He said, I'm going to Africa. But don't worry about it, Mom, because the Lord has shown me that I am to stay with you until you are gone, for you are to go home to glory. And then I'll go. Until then, I have to take care of you. McLaren looked at the elderly saint and said, Your life has been wasted. You say, Yes, it has been wasted. You have been cooking and mopping and washing. He says this, but I would like to see the reward when you are called home. You might say, why would you share that? I share that for a couple reasons. But how many of you sit in the room today as moms, as widows, and you might look and you think, man, what did I do? I've changed diapers I've cleaned the bathroom. I've, I've made meals. I've done these things. Maybe today you go to work and, and you get up early and you get the kids re- prepared and you take them to their uh, school or wherever it is and you go home or you go to work and then you come and you pick those kids back up and you take them home and you, you get them through the job or the school stuff and you get them through all of those things and you take them to one place, to the next place, to the next place and you, you, you get to the end of it and you go, what did I do? What did I do today? This lady said, what, did I, what a wasted life. But yes, she had four kids, all four of them, serving the Lord in ministry. I don't know the burden that a woman, a mother holds. I know that I have four children. I pray that as they live in our home and as they grow up in our home, that one day when they leave, that they will serve God. Whether they do that in full-time mission or ministry, I, I don't really care. If EJ grows up to be a car mechanic and is a grease ball all day, every day, but he's able to serve church and serve the Lord, that's all I care about. If my girls grow up and they don't marry pastors or they don't become missionaries or they don't do any of those things, but they're godly women inside of their home raising godly children, that's all that I care about. But sometimes... In the hustle and bustle, sometimes in the day in which we live, 
There's going to be somebody that you work with, lady. There's going to, ladies, there's going to be somebody that you uh, stand around and they are going to say, man, my kids are this and my kids are out there and they're, they're, they're big time CEO over here. Or they're this over here and look how awesome my kids are. And you might look and you might go, wow, all my kid is is a janitor at a school. But they serve God. They love the Lord. Man, my kids don't make a lot of money. But the home is loved and they're serving Jesus with all their heart. Hey, we are to honor these widows that are in our midst today. We may not know where their families are. We don't know the hurt that they have. But God's word tells us to honor them. God's word tells us to lift them up, to raise them up. And that's what we're to do. The next point as we come to our last point this morning is it is our man it is our obligation to support them. It is our obligation to honor them. It is our, also our obligation to instruct them. You might say, "Well, what is this?" A lot of this has to do with the younger widows looking at this pastor's scripture here. But it says in verse number 11, But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. Again, if we go to the the context and we look at what they were supposed to do, what they were called to do, what they were asked to do, was that they would then give their lives to the Lord in service to Him. Well, here's the reality of where we sit, or where they were as well. Younger widows don't always have that opportunity. They don't have that. So God's word says that, hey, some of them will refuse. Some of them are going to do these things. And and he says that we are to instruct them. We are to teach them. We are to, to kind of bring them along. We are to be that encouragement to them. As we honor them, as we do those things. Refuse is a strong word, no doubt. But Paul's instructions, Paul's fear was that in the midst of pain, in the midst of heartache, a young single woman or a woman would would say, "You know what? I'm going to I'm going to I'm just going to I'm going to turn all this away and I'm going to give everything to the Lord." You might say, "Well, that's a great thing. It is a great thing." But sometimes when we do things like that and we just make a hasty decision, we give everything and then all of a sudden, what we're looking at in this passage of Scripture is something over here kind of catches our attention. In this instance, looking at a young woman, it would be a man. You know what? I may, I may have this desire to get married now. And in my desire to get married over here, again, we'll see in just a moment, Paul encouraged the young women to get remarried. And Paul encouraged them to do that. But what his concern was, what his fear was, what he was teaching, what he was saying was, don't just hastily make this decision that I am giving everything to God and I am going to, I am no longer going to, I'm not going to get married, I'm not going to do this stuff and I'm going to give everything to God because oftentimes, excuse me, oftentimes we do that and then something catches our attention over here and we begin to go over here and we begin to become angry at the decision. God, why would you have done this? Why did you call me to be uh, just a follower of you now? Why did you take this away from me? Why did you do those things when this isn't necessarily a bad thing? 
I grew up, I went to a Christian college. I don't know how many of the girls at college, the, the cool thing was, I'm dating Jesus. If you went to a Christian college, you've probably heard this. I'm going to date Jesus. I'm not interested in any guys. And I'm going to date Jesus. And it's just me and Jesus and me and Jesus. That is great. That is great. I'm not, I'm not, listen, I would tell you over and over every day, all day, give your life to Jesus. Do that. There's nothing better that you can do. But so many times what happens is I'm dating Jesus and now Mr. Guy over here comes along and I've completely given myself to him and I've left what I said I was, I was setting out to do. I don't know about you. Have you ever set a goal and not met it and got angry at yourself? Have you ever went to, maybe I'm speaking to the wrong crowd, have you ever went to church camp? And you went to church camp, and our day it was, I'm going to get rid of all of my cassette tapes. For you, it may have been eight tracks or whatever else. (laughs) Records. But nonetheless, that was what, when we went to church camp and youth camp, it was always, you got to get rid of all the junk and get rid of the junk and get rid of the junk. I don't know how many times I went home from youth camp and broke a CD. You go, that's dumb. It really is dumb now. The dumbest part of it was I broke it and then I would record it and have it back later. But here's what I would do and here's what we do. I've given away and I'm throwing this away and I'm never going back and I'm never going back. And then all of a sudden I go back and what do I do? I look at me and I think, what an idiot. You failed God again. You failed God again. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? And and fortunately for me in my life, I didn't just stay away and think, you know what, how dumb those people are were to tell me that I should get rid of my music. But I can count on my hands teenagers and young people that have left church for those same exact things. The church is just a mess. See, one of these widows would say, that church, they're just a mess. They, they wanted me to, to never look at a guy again and to, to never do this. And Paul was saying, no, 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 no. Hey, watch it. Guard yourself. Guard your heart in those areas. And he even goes on and he says, hey, he goes on to say, I will therefore that younger women marry Bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Because Paul recognized, and as God gave Paul the wisdom to write this letter, Paul recognized that we are who we are, and many times we would make the decision, I am never going to do this. I'm not going to look over here. I'm not going to... I'm. I'm never going to get married again and I'm never going to do this. And God, I'm giving everything, which is what the the widows were asked to do. I'm giving everything to the church and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm going to serve God with everything. And so this young widow would say, I'm doing that. And then all of a sudden they'd get just like I did at church camp, a few days, a few weeks, a few months. And I'm looking back and I'm going, wow, wow. There's nothing wrong with that. And again, there really wasn't anything wrong with it. But it's 
my heart that becomes hardened. God's word speaks of it. It says that they would begin to be busybodies. They would begin to go back in and they would dive in and they would eventually lose that first faith. Let me challenge this morning. I know this isn't this isn't a sermon I get. It's almost similar to last week, I think, and that I it's it's just not the one that we're like, yeah, screaming and yelling about. But I do look out here this morning and I see a number of widows. Let me encourage you. One, know that this church body, this family wants to support you and love you and care for you. Secondly, I don't know that this has happened or that I'm sure that at one point or another it will happen. Those of you that are widows, part of your giving back to the Lord in this stage, in this this setting of your life, is that you would take that same example that you've had and that you would give that to another young lady that's sitting within this body. I don't know of a young lady that's sitting in here this morning that is a widow. I don't. But here's what I do know. I do know that There's a lot of ladies that sit here as widows that love the Lord, that honor God with their lives, that have so much wisdom and knowledge that when that happens, to grab a hold of one of those young ladies and just love on them like nobody else can is what the body is for. Church, again... I recognize the sermon that it is. Let me say this again in closing this morning. James 1, 27 says this. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.